It's good to be with you again. Uh, my name is Kyle Dealman, and I'm glad to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Our scripture reading comes from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. As Pastor Matthew mentioned already, this past week was Ascension Day, and so uh, Colossians 1 uh, will turn our attention to the rule, the supremacy of Christ. So hear the word of the Lord. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Congregation of Jesus Christ, how are you holding it together? It's a question we might ask or get asked in particularly difficult or stressful times or maybe at particularly emotional times, graduations, mom, dad, try and hold it together. Hold it together. Sometimes we use that phrase to to talk about someone who's crucial to an organization or community. She's the the player that really holds the team together, or he's the, the family member that really holds us together, even at church maybe. He or she's the one who, who holds us together. What Colossians 1 invites us to consider is what holds our life together. If we could gather for a few minutes here around a question, what holds your life together? What's the, the common thread that runs throughout your life? What holds you together? For the church in Colossae, we don't know a lot about what the situation was for the church to whom Paul was writing. It's not overly clear what's the one issue that that prompted Paul writing this letter that we read from this morning. But what is clear if you read the letter, and I invite you sometime today or this week to read the letter of Colossians. You can read the whole book in under 30 minutes for sure. And if you do, what you'll see is that Paul is trying to show the Colossians what it is that holds their life together. 
There's various things that might be threatening them. It seems like maybe some heresy has been introduced, some false teaching introduced into this church in Colossae. Maybe some sort of philosophy seeping into, from pagan culture into the church. And given the prevalence of these teachings, the fact that the church in Colossae seems to be a young community, a young church just starting out, Paul wants to make it so very clear to them what holds them together. And so if you read on into chapter 2, you'll read about the freedom that Christians have and warnings against false teachers trying to to hold them to certain laws and ceremonies. Chapter 3 will go on to describe what this new life in Christ can look like, what it is to live into this life of God. What is it that holds them together? What holds their life together? At the very beginning of the book, in the section that we read, the answer to the question is so obvious over and over again. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the one who's freed the Colossians from their sin, who's kept them from having to keep all these ceremonial laws and regulations. Jesus is the basis for their holy living that will be addressed later in the book. Jesus is the one. The sort of head of theology here, the the title of this theology is Christology. And theologians have various ways of talking about what Paul is describing here. The preeminence of Christ or the supremacy of Christ, the, the lordship of Christ. Describe it however you want, pick your term. What shines so brightly in chapter 1 is that Christ is over all things. That Christ reigns. There's at least two ways that comes through really clearly in the passage that we read together. If you're listening closely, I'm sure you caught it. One way that that comes through so clearly is this repeated phrase, in him. In fact, if you were keeping count, that phrase occurs about four times depending on how you translate it, in verses 15 through 20, over and over and over and over again. In him, the him being Jesus, of course. The point couldn't be any clearer. The focus of the whole book of Colossians, of what holds our lives together, is Jesus. We are in him. Our lives are in him. The other word that comes up over and over again, the the second sort of marker in the passage we read together is the word all. Even more times, actually, something like eight times. All. Again, the point's so obvious. All things hold together in Christ. All things have been created in Christ. All things have been reconciled. The list in Colossians 1 is poetically exhausted. Verse 16, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. Or later in verse 20, all things, things on earth or in heaven, things, all things, all, over and over again, all, all, all. The beautiful hymn in Colossians chapter 1 wants to show us that our lives, what holds our lives together all of our lives, is that we are held in him. And so to try and show us what that looks like, the hymn begins precisely where Reformed theology always begins, creation. It's a natural place to start. Of course, it's where the Bible starts. 
In him all things were created. You and I might not always associate Jesus, the Son, as the creator. We might sort of assign that title to God the Father. But the Colossians 1 passage is clear. Christ has created all things. In him all things were created, verse 16 says. Nothing exists outside of Jesus. Jesus is over all of creation, which of course means that very thing that Genesis 1 says over and over again, that because all things have been created by Jesus, all things are good, very good, because they serve to glorify their creator, which means you and I exist to serve our creator. Everything we do is to serve our creator a message echoed over and over again in the Psalms. Pick your Psalm. Maybe Psalm 19, for example. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. All things created by Christ to glorify him. And that means to him continues that all things hold together in him. Jesus doesn't, isn't just the creator, but he's the sustainer. Our God is not some God who creates and then watches from a distance, some sort of deist God. God. Jesus sustains, holds all things together. Jesus holds us, holds his creation, holds his world, holds all of us. All things hold together in him. It's worth noting that when things get out of whack, so to speak, we heard it and prayed together already, things aren't the way they're supposed to be. When things get out of whack, it's because they're not held in Christ. Think about all the ways in which our world tries to take things. Jesus holding us together, but we trying to take it for ourselves. A problem as old as Adam and Eve thinking that they could take the creation that Jesus created and held and take it for themselves. It's the same problem that rears its ugly head every time you and I try to take for ourselves. Take all these things that Jesus has created good and take them for ourselves and use them for our own purposes. So we take Jesus' gift of language and we take it and we twist it so that we can abuse and mock and threaten. Or we take the gift of sex and we take it and we warp it into something for ourselves, for power, for selfishness. What Colossians 1 wants to remind us of is that all things hold together in Christ and when they're ripped out of him or tried to be ripped out of him, it all goes wrong because all of creation finds its life in Christ. Everything is held together in him. All of creation in him. That includes, Paul says, the church. The church has Jesus as its head. It's the, the turn that Paul's hymn takes in verse 18. Jesus is the head of the church. And that point probably seems obvious to all of us. But what's especially remarkable in the hymn in Colossians 1 is not that Jesus is the head of the church, 
but it's how he becomes the head of the church. How does Jesus take his role? Jesus reigns, but it's in ways we might not expect. The church, as the body of believers, has Jesus as its head. But Jesus ascends into heaven only after he suffered and died and rose again. It's the theology in the hymn in Colossians 1, Jesus' incarnation, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. Jesus leaving his heavenly home and becoming born as one of us. His death and his resurrection. Jesus is the head of the church because he has sacrificed himself for the church. His power, his rule, exists in him giving himself up, in sacrificing himself on behalf of his people, shedding his blood on the cross, and then rising victorious over death itself. He's the one. He's the one who drives the life of everything we do here. If church becomes anything other than serving Christ, it becomes nothing, nothing more than some social club. That's the unique claim of the Christian church, that Jesus reigns supreme and that he does so by loving, by giving, by sacrificing. That goes against so much of the wisdom of the philosophy that you and I take in every day. Human wisdom tells us that the strong will survive. Human wisdom tells us that the way to get ahead is to fight harder or to use people. Human wisdom tells us that the power of death is so strong, you only live once, that you should live while you can. Human wisdom tells us the power of evil can only be resisted so long, so maybe we should just give in to the hate or the greed or the immorality and get what we can. What holds our life together? What holds us? Is it money, success, reputation, power, leisure? What holds our lives together? Because the truth of our lives is that there's so many powers seeking to hold us, to overpower us. John Mulaney is a stand-up comedian who a few weeks ago released a Netflix special of his stand-up comedy. He's a brilliant comedian, it's, it's a little rough, so I wouldn't recommend, uh, especially for kids. But in that stand-up stand routine, he spends a lot of time talking about the past couple of years where he's been in rehab for his drug addiction. And he does, in an interview that he's doing about that special and about his rehab and his drug addiction, John talks about how since he was a young child, he had this feeling, in fact, as he was detoxing, he heard voices, that something had been chasing him, that something was trying to overpower him, something that sometimes he was more aware of, sometimes less aware of, but this sense of darkness that was helping him make sense of his drug addiction and the power it had over him. What power, what power is calling your name, trying to, to overtake you, 
trying to define the story of your life. Maybe like John, it's the power of addiction to alcohol, prescription drugs, pornography. Maybe it's the the power of inadequacy, telling you that you were created not quite thin enough or sexy enough. Maybe it's the the power of greed, telling you that the way to, to get ahead, to rise to the top, is to get whatever you can more and more. Maybe it's the the power of a mental illness that that rattles your brain with these anxious thoughts, messages that you're worthless. Maybe it's the power of fear or guilt or pride or, or whatever else it might be. But what Colossians 1 says is that all those powerfuls, as powerful as they can be, and they can be very powerful, but Colossians 1 says they do not win. Those powers are only distortions of the good things that Christ has made, created for his glory. Those powers are held in Christ, defeated by him. The evil has been nailed to the cross. Jesus has risen victorious over it. And so what Jesus offers is a different story, a different way to define our lives together. We are in him because we're created by him, because we've been redeemed by him, because we're sustained by him. All things are held in him. Jesus gives a different answer over and over again. We are in him. All things are in him. It might sound like a nice Christian thing to say, but just consider how remarkable the claims are. Everything, all the powers, have been defeated by Christ. Everything has its end in Jesus. All things created, held by him. Even when we do our best to distort them, Christ holds them. Remarkable claims. And what Colossians 1 offers is not just great theology, but it offers the opportunity to have our lives transformed by the ascended Christ. It's the the move that Paul makes at the end of the passage we read together in verses 21 through 23, that all these things that are in Christ are for us. It's at the end of the great hymn where Paul starts to talk about how we can continue on in the faith. Don't give up the hope. Keep the faith. Stay firm because you are held in Christ. This isn't just some theology class. It's a life-changing idea. Christ is for you. He has life for us. Despite all our evil, despite our past enmity with God, despite all our sin, Christ has died so that we can be with him and in him. It's what's on offer at the table for us this morning, that Christ is in us and we are in him, the very life of God. This is why Jesus' ascension is so important. He declares his rule over all of creation, but then he invites us into it. He isn't just tucked away in the heavens, but he is for us, inviting us into the very life that he has won for us. So the invitation is to live into Colossians 1. It's the beauty of our tradition, our Reformed tradition, that all of life, whatever you do, 
is in Christ. Part of the beauty of gathering together is that we come from so many different places, and when we leave, we'll go out and do so many different things. Imagine tomorrow all the places that we will be at school, at work, with our families, doing so many different things, creating, imitating Christ, creating so many great things, doing it through the power of the Spirit in Christ. All the things that you and I do are in Christ. So when we create whatever it is you create, you'll do it for Christ. And as we leave this place and we go about participating in the redeeming work of Jesus, we do it on his behalf, in his power, proclaiming to everyone you meet in word and in deed that Jesus Christ reigns, that he's the one that holds us, that he's the one that holds everything. I don't know what that might look like for you, but I remember back when I was in college, I would come home over uh, spring break and I would work for an accountant uh, in our community uh, who needed help just sorting bills. It was just mundane work. And I was sorting bills uh, for him, and one day uh, I noticed that there was a bill in the stack that I was sorting, alphabetizing, uh, and it said zero. And so I'm trying to be helpful and dutiful, went to the accountant and said, I think there's a clerical mistake here. You you didn't charge these people. So I think you must have overlooked it. And he looked at me and he said, you know, uh, this family, they've had a hard year. One of their family members died. Their business took a hit, didn't go so well. They need a break. So it wasn't an oversight, just file it with the rest. And then over the week, I started to notice that this wasn't just one bill. The next day, there was another one and another one. By the end of the week, there was probably a dozen of them. The grace of Jesus Christ in all things. What might it look like for you to allow Jesus to take your life and transform it because it's created by him, because he's died for you, because he's transformed all things? It's work we carry out individually. It's work we carry out together as a church community, proclaiming that Jesus Christ is over all things. All things have been created and redeemed and hold together in him. In him, we've been invited into this new life. Who knows what Christ will do in us and through us? But what a gift. What a gift. All the powers that would seek to control us have been defeated. And Jesus' creation, including us, has been redeemed, and we're invited into his life. We are in him. Thanks be to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are created by you, redeemed by you, loved by you. We pray that our lives would reflect those truths, that what holds us together is, in fact, Jesus Christ. And while we've known that for a long time, we pray that you would continue to transform our lives, that as we live more fully and into being people who are redeemed, created, and loved by you, that you would show us what our lives can be like. Thank you that Jesus Christ rules 
Thank you that his reign is over all of us. Thank you that through your spirit, you invite us into life with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.